0: positively pro-life a podcast brought to you by the pennsylvania pro-life federation positively pro-life brings you inspirational stories important legislative updates and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life i'm ria gallagher legislative director for the pennsylvania pro-life federation and joining me today is our education director remel tenney welcome Remel. hello so glad to be here so glad to have you with us today, Remmel. Doctor-prescribed suicide is a dangerous practice in which a physician prescribes a lethal dose of drugs to a patient in an effort to take his or her life. Also known as assisted suicide, it has raised serious questions about medical ethics, the treatment of depression, and other key issues. Today on the program, we will speak to an expert about the dangers of this practice. But first, I would like to give a legislative update, which is also loaded with inspiration. She is so precocious that at the ripe old age of two, she was FaceTiming her grandfather at 530 in the morning and sending him photos with her phone. But any number of people might have counted her out shortly after she was born. Extremely premature. She was born at a gestational age when some children are tragically aborted. She spent months in the NICU and her fate was uncertain. But she beat the odds and survived, and now she is thriving. However, when I think of my friend's granddaughter, I cannot help but think of all the children who are counted out by the abortion industry that readily and unmercifully takes their lives the abortion industry, and their allies in government have taken on the radical position of advocating for abortion up to the moment of birth. This concept, abhorrent on its face, is finding its way into extremist state laws. The humanity of the pre-born child is demonstrated time and time again in ultrasounds, which show the baby smiling, crying, and even somersaulting in the mother's womb. To ignore the life of the preborn baby, is to ignore science, which clearly shows the unborn child is alive and often kicking. I wonder whether those who push for abortion without limits recognize the tremendous harm they are doing to babies and their mothers. They are lobbying for the ending of one life and the damaging of another. How many children who could have thrived, like my friend's grandchild, have been sacrificed on the altar of reproductive justice? As a society, we can do better than abortion, and we must, for the sake of women and children throughout the world. And now to our guest. Father Tad Paholczyk is with the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Today, we are talking to him about the dangers of assisted suicide. Welcome, Father Tad.
1: Well, thank you, Maria and Remmel. Glad to be here glad to be able to join you today certainly an interesting topic
0: definitely now father can you tell us first about the National Catholic bioethics Center
1: well the center works closely with the Catholic bishops we are an independent uh, organization we're not directly under the U.S conference of Catholic bishops for example sometimes people assume that we're a part of that organization when in fact we're not so we do raise our own funds uh, and you know support our own work uh we do a lot of different types of work so we do for example publications in bioethics we publish a lot of different books and monographs and uh also we have a quarterly I write a monthly column that's syndicated to about 35 Catholic newspapers uh in addition to that I run a certification program in Catholic bioethics and we have graduated about 1500 students from that uh during the past I don't know 15 years or so and uh we also put on a uh conference for the bishops every two years excuse me every two years in Dallas Texas and we invite all of the u.s bishops the canadian bishops uh the central american bishops and sometimes the bishops from the philippines and we get usually a group of maybe 100 120 bishops uh, and this is something that we do in cooperation in collaboration with the knights of columbus and this is an opportunity over the space of two and a half days to bring the bishops up to speed on The latest events latest you know issues in bioethics and medical ethics Uh, we usually have a theme that that conference is dedicated to and then we um we also do work with the bishops uh, in collaborative arrangements so for example you might have a bishop who has a hospital in his diocese a catholic hospital and there's a proposal to have that catholic hospital work closely with a secular hospital and the secular hospital does abortions let's say and the question might come up well are you allowed to share a parking lot with that other hospital what about sharing a surgical suite with that hospital you know questions like that and the we go through the detailed arrangements of the collaboration, including, you know, even looking at contracts and so on, to be sure that there's no improper cooperation in evil that may be taking place. So the bishops often turn to us for guidance in those very, very complex areas of cooperation in evil.
2: Okay. Um, so, Father, starting with the basics, for those of us unfamiliar with the term, could you define bioethics?
1: well bioethics deals with ethical issues that arise in the biosciences so it'll deal for example with um research issues maybe questions surrounding the use of human embryos in research or the use of tissue derived from human fetuses who have been aborted uh it can extend to questions like we'll be discussing today are there ever any circumstances under which it would be legitimate to ask your physician for a lethal dose of something so that you could kill yourself and there's a lot that happens in between that pertains to bioethics um questions of for example organ transplantation um you know questions around reproductive technologies in vitro fertilization uh you know there's the range of issues is really very very wide and it's moving in some other directions now as well when you look at um the arrival of artificial intelligence into medicine and the question of diagnoses being made by machines rather than by a live doctor there's some you know ethical concerns that would swirl around that and if one were to rely completely on a machine without human backup uh you know some definite ethical issues so as you can see this has a lot of directions it can go I mean one more just sort of in the future direction would be what's going on with neural implants where you introduce electronic circuitry into a person's brain and their brain is able to communicate with that circuit maybe you know connect to the internet maybe um store large amounts of information on the microchip in their brain cheating on exams you know that kind of thing a lot of directions you could go uh with with those areas as well all of that would fit under the heading of bioethics
0: turning now to assisted suicide can you tell us why assisted suicide is against the dignity of life
1: Yes, because we all have a duty to be uh, good stewards of the life that we've been given. And stewardship is an important concept because it means that we recognize we have responsibilities towards the gift of life, which is a gift that is received. It's not something that we confer on ourselves. So that's very important to understand that it has come to us, in a sense, Uh, apart from our own choosing we've received it and we have responsibilities then to take care of ourselves and most people understand this you know when I say to them oh I've got to stop eating so many Big Macs and start exercising you know they realize oh yeah well that makes a lot of sense because you have duties to take care of yourself and the gift of life is one of the preeminent Gifts that we have received and our special obligations to never uh, act directly against the good of that life and assisted suicide where we make the decision to commit suicide ourselves perhaps with the help of our doctor always represents a violation of that incredibly good gift that we have received Uh, and there may be you know motivations that people have fears a lot of times significant fears that will be driving them to think that maybe this could be okay but at the end of the day we need to unpack those fears and uh, help people to realize that this is something that is always and without exception a bad choice the choice to directly harm yourself so
2: is medical care for end-of-life issues a gray area
1: uh, say that once again. I didn't quite catch.
2: I was wondering: is medical care for end of life issues is it always a gray area, or do we can we come um, can we come to ethical solutions for end of life issues?
1: Yes. Okay, I see what you're asking. Because sometimes, in figuring out certain decisions at the end of life, it may appear that we're in a gray zone. It may seem like you could choose either or and it wouldn't really make much difference um the the issue here is that when you're faced with certain types of concrete decisions for example should I get this surgery done it's not actually a gray area it's an area that you need to do some uh, investigating you need to talk to your medical team You may need to get some outside counsel you need to talk to your other family members who are supporting you get good input information you need to bring it to prayer and what happens is at first glance yes it may look to you like it's kind of gray but if you do all of what I was just describing you carry out that due diligence around the question of getting that surgery you will see that that gray will shrink down to a distinct line and it'll become clear because you'll be weighing benefits and burdens and you'll realize oh either the benefits outweigh the burdens in which case i do need to do this surgery as part of my responsibility or it may go the other way where you say the burdens outweigh the benefits and therefore i am not required to do this surgery so that kind of clarity arises as we pursue energetically uh, the answer in this uh, consultative kind of a context with other people
0: in the debate over abortion we often hear the other side talk about my body my choice and I think that in the issue of assisted suicide, we're hearing the same thing. And I'm wondering, can morality or ethics be excluded from medical practices for the sake of personal convictions of the patients?
1: Um, I think you cannot exclude morality ever because you are, uh, we are moral beings, and each of us does want to know what is right and what is wrong what is true and what is false and there are certain kinds of choices that we can make that are invariably harmful choices these are choices that will circle back and damage us and we can sometimes find false premises to try to justify those choices on our own part and I think you know what you mentioned about uh, my body my choice as an abortion argument that's one uh misconception that's out there oh it is all my body when the reality is no there are two bodies here one nested inside the other and we because of that reality we have obligations that are interpersonal obligations from one person towards another so it's no longer just about my body and people you know look for those kinds of buzzwords and slogans in order to justify what are at the end of the day damaging choices towards themselves and towards others and when it comes to assisted suicide similarly i think there is a a notion that i am nothing but an autonomous being you know i'm just Somebody who makes choices, and any choice that I make, no matter what, is right because I made it. And that is not true either. Uh, Everyone has this clear sense that suicide is a tragedy. And when you have people who go up on bridges or tall buildings, and they talk somebody off of the ledge, we say, wow, that person is a hero. They saved a life. They protected the good of someone's life. So just because somebody wanted to do something, of course, we all recognize that's not enough to make it right. That would be, you know, like raising children and saying, whatever the children want to do because they want to do it, that makes it right. That makes it morally okay. No parent is ever going to believe that or buy into that. And hopefully no parent is going to raise their child that way because their child will end up. Uh, you know, very, very uh, dysfunctional if the only thing that they live for is the pursuit of their own willfulness. So I think there are many errors that get wrapped up in this uh, approach to it's just about my body or it's just about my choice.
2: So, following along that same line, I have heard the argument that assisted suicide is in cases where this isn't a choice between life and death but a choice between dying and choosing death. Now, how do we approach an argument like that? And how is it morally, like what makes it morally right or wrong?
1: Um, There is a difference between accepting the fact that a disease is going to take your life um, versus a decision on my part to directly attack my own life that's the key distinction here um we should never directly attack our own life now what would be some of the reasons that some people might say well so I'm in a lot <clears throat> excuse me I'm in a lot of pain right now they'll say and therefore I should be able to attack my own life and the of course the proper answer there is no we should address the source of your pain. But you should never directly attack your own life, your own self, your own being, your own humanity. Uh, That's always going to be a very, very bad choice on your part. You're too valuable. You're important to all of us. You're part of our community and our life together. Don't give up here. Don't yield to this temptation. I think that's so important to remind people and to say to them. So, you know, that's very different from saying, look, I've got this massive tumor of a cancer inside me. And this thing is growing and there's nothing more we can do. We've already done five surgeries and now it's getting all over the place. And I'm going to die from that. Yes, we will all die from something in God's time and we should you know accept that reality accept the fact that death comes for us and that death and dying are a process and we need to respect that process not short-circuit the process um because if we short-circuit the process we lose important graces that are meant for us as we die and sometimes those graces for example would be graces of healing Maybe there's somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time. And as you're dying, they show up and there's forgiveness. This is super important. Meanwhile, if you jump to the conclusion that I've got to commit suicide here with the help of my doctor and that forgiveness never happens. What a loss for all of us. So there's a lot of opportunities like that for coming to peace and healing that are part of the process of dying well and it is a grace to die well and it is always a loss of grace to short-circuit that through physician-assisted suicide
0: what kind of support is available for patients and medical care professionals to make ethically informed decisions
1: uh I would say that medical professionals you know it's good that you're raising the question because many medical professionals do not get a lot of ethical formation, you know. I'm just thinking, for example, of my brother-in-law, who's an emergency room physician uh, in Iowa. And I asked him one time, you know, how much ethics did you get when you went through medical school? He said, uh, "Well, basically, we had one uh, course on ethics, and what it involved was they gave us a case. They we all sat down around a circular table." We quickly looked at the case and then they asked us how we felt about it that was our ethics it was about feelings what do you feel and so you know there is a need here to get much more solid grounding uh, and to offer much greater um, and more extensive resources to medical professionals so uh, first of all clearly the catholic church is an important voice in these areas Uh, and has issued a number of very, very helpful documents dealing with medical ethics and bioethics. And uh, I often refer physicians directly to some of those documents. Um, And certainly our center, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, I just put a quick pitch in for our website, which is ncbcenter.org. Uh, and my own, which is fathertad.com, a lot of resources on both of those websites that medical professionals will find very, very useful. And we have a free consultation service that we offer through the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And we do about 2,000 consultations per year. Many of them are for doctors, nurses, other medical professionals who are wondering about a dilemma a particularly difficult situation that they find themselves in and we help them to think through the basic ethical issues very closely and give them you know any additional support in the way of uh, you know needed understanding around basic principles that should guide some of the decision making in medical settings so I think those are you know how we need to buttress uh, our medical professionals and it's so important that they be ethical really that they care about moral truth because they are the ones for example who are being chosen and targeted by lawmakers who are saying we want you doctors to feel free to participate in the suicide of people and what we're going to do as lawmakers we're going to give you an exemption so if, if because of you somebody commits suicide, it will be impossible to sue you for liability and damages. No lawsuit will be allowed. We're going to protect you when you encourage other people to commit suicide. Now, of course, that's a terribly wrong thing for lawmakers to do, but that's the kind of legislation that gets passed before medical professionals start to say, oh, okay, I guess I can go ahead and become an agent of death uh, instead of doing what they should do which is to support life uh, and to support its continuation through all reasonable uh, means and interventions
2: for someone who is considering assisted suicide what is the ethical alternative that a doctor can present
1: well, clearly this is uh, important to share with these individuals the reality of palliative care and hospice so if these individuals are in excruciating pain palliative care is an entire discipline of medicine that deals with the symptoms of pain and it's become very very sophisticated you have a lot of tools that can be used to help people who are struggling with pain and um, hospice, of course, is uh, a an important adjunct in the sense that when one gets very close to the end and you realize, you know, we're at the point that it doesn't make much sense to, for example, do another big surgery or use some very, very harsh drug that's not going to have much benefit for me. That's the point at which you, again, provide comfort you palliate people, you accompany them, you give them just the appropriate amount of pain medication, which often is morphine, which is a very you know amazing drug that helps many people as they draw close to death. Um, but you don't, of course, want to over overuse it, and that's been a concern in some settings as well. We want to give them the appropriate titered dose that addresses their pain Uh, in a in a reasonable fashion so these are some of the tools that people can turn to and should turn to uh, through the medical profession
0: so we've got just about a minute and a half left and i'm wondering does assisted suicide lead to an increase in the overall suicide rate is there such a thing as suicide contagion
1: um that's hard to say for sure but Definitely, if you have somebody who was not contemplating suicide and you have an option to legally do it with the help of your physician, and you have a physician who is encouraging this, in our vulnerability, it's not surprising to think that some people would say, Well, gee, that seems like an easier way out. I'm going to take that path. So, in that sense, that would raise the rate of suicide that somebody. Who had not previously considered doing it ended up doing it and certainly if it's legalized in places you know the law is a teacher and bad law is a bad teacher and people will be tempted so i suspect the short answer is yes to your question suicides will increase with the legalization of this
0: and just very quickly in the couple of seconds we have left if, if people want to get in touch with you uh remind them how they can do that
1: yes i think the best way is through our uh, website which is ncbcenter.org or minefathertad.com and uh we they can find our consultation service available on the ncbc the national catholic bioethics center website if they would like to interact with us and ask a question.
0: Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State. Thank you for joining us today. We are grateful for your continuing support and encouragement. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.